Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. This podcast is part of the Robots Radio Rocket Club, a program designed to help all podcasts reach their full potential. For information about joining the Robots Radio Rocket Club, check out robotsradio.net. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Two Girls, One Ship, the podcast where we analyze, rate, and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. I'm Genesis, the girl who's talking to you from the future and the past, and right now in this moment. (laughs) Yes, we're either one month in the past or one month in the future, depending on when you're hearing this. And I'm Vervada, the girl who, after today's episode, really, really needs to get a Dragon Age tattoo. <laughs> uh, oh, <gasps> I'm sorry, totally random. I just thought of it right now. When you get here, we will go and get matching Dragon Age tattoos together. Oh my god, yes. 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 Okay. All right. <laughs> I very <It's> much agree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Okay. Today's episode is a special one. We were blessed with the return of one of our previous guests and gamer girl extraordinaire, Mary Kenny. Mary is a senior writer at Insomniac Games and has worked on some major titles, such as Spider-Man Miles Morales, and is currently working on the new Wolverine game. If you haven't listened to our first interview with Mary, go check out episode 25. You won't be disappointed. Definitely not. Mary came back on our little show to further discuss her new book called Gamer Girls, 25 Women Who Built the Video Game Industry, which is out tomorrow, July 19th, wherever books are sold. We also did an extraordinary amount of nerding out on our mutual love for video games. And honestly, isn't that just the truth for all of our guests? I don't think we've ever had an episode where we haven't done a tangent in one way or another. It's just part of our world. Mm-hmm. So, without further ado, let's get into this interview. So, here's your fucking spoiler alert. Excellent. Then we have everything we need to open the pod. I was trying to get something. I was like, ooh, if I need to buy my own computer, I guess I just have to buy a purple Mac. <laughs> That's what I'll need. <laughs> this is like where they had one of the really big monitors and it was purple, and I was like, it's static and my husband's like it's like five thousand dollars why yeah it is it's not really that much now when i was looking last year it was only like three (laughs) thousand yeah it's more than it should be that's for sure yeah he was like stop (laughs) stop it's definitely more than it should be but it's purple (laughs) 
But it's purple and aesthetic. He's like, you can't even make games on it. What is wrong right. with you? <laughs> it's fine for me. I don't have to make games. <laughs> Just, See? I don't either. I, mean, I write scripts. I don't make that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, I didn't know, like, how complicated do game script software be? <laughs> Where? I mean, like, I can't use, like, Unity or Unreal, so, like, if I'm trying to help my students mm. build a game in an engine, it can't, it can do that, but, like, it's not great. Um, no. TBA. But most of the time, I don't do that. That's only what I'm teaching, so who cares? That's confusing. <laughs> supposedly, we use Unity at our job, because we make training, like, and a lot of the training is becoming games now, and... Uh-huh. I'm like, I have a Dell laptop. Like, how is that going to work? <laughs> I, oh, my work laptop's a Dell laptop. Yeah. So, yeah. It can, Sponsored it can by Dell. <laughs> this podcast brought to you. <laughs> by the U.S. government and Dell. Cash <laughs> <laughs> rate. Um, I guess we should maybe... You, do you mind doing another introduction just in case someone didn't listen to your first episode? That's fine. I assume no one knows who I am ever, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we ready? Oh, yeah. I, I hit record a while oh, ago, sick. so I actually yeah. got that I whole intro. Oh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so Okay. Uh, yeah, what, what all do you need me to say again? I'm sorry, I forget. It's been exactly 10 minutes, and I can't remember things. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, I guess, like, your name. Oh, by the way, congratulations on your promotion. Oh, yeah. You were like, wait, what? <laughs> My what? <laughs> Your promotion. I haven't seen you since that happened, so that's super, super cool. I guess you can introduce yourself as as that new job title now. Uh-huh. With the hair <laughs> flip and everything. Love it. <laughs> I know, all like one inch of my hair being very dramatically flipped. Hello, my name is Mary Kenny. I'm a senior writer at Insomniac Games. Uh, I'm currently working on Marvel's Wolverine. Uh, I also worked on... Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales. I was on Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And before that, I was a writer at Telltale working on The Walking Dead and Batman The Enemy Within. I also have a book coming out in a month. I write comics. I do some TV work. So I'm just kind of bouncing around everywhere. That's me. Yay. And at the point that the episode releases, I believe that your book comes out tomorrow. So welcome oh, to the future. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> <dang>. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. I have a book that comes out tomorrow. It's called Gamer Girls, 25 Women Who Built the Video Game Industry. You can read it sooner than I thought even. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, cannot wait to read that. I, I know we talked about it last time, but I figured because it's coming out tomorrow in the future, <laughs> we should probably talk about your book a little at least at first. And I know if you haven't listened to that episode, you guys should. But I wanted to start with because that book is highlighting women in games. But I wanted to know what was like the most amazing story or valuable lesson in your research for the book that you were just like, wow, I didn't know oh, that. Gosh, I, I mean, the thing is, all, like <laughs> it's hard to say they're all my favorite but it, but it's kind of true in the you know I was I was fangirling out about all of them like everybody in there is really really cool and also a lot of the uh disciplines of the people in the book are not mine you know I'm a, I'm a writer and occasional narrative designer 
And I was talking to programmers and artists and, you know, people from all these different walks of what makes video games. Alanka Dunin, who is a cryptologist and she is also a game designer. You know, she had all kinds of really interesting stories. She worked with Dan Brown on The Lost Symbol to like make the puzzles make sense. But she's (laughs) phenomenal. And I'm like, I don't know how your brain works, but I want to write about it. So, you know, everybody was really, really interesting. Um, Just so many different people in this industry. I guess for me, it was probably getting to talk to Donna Bailey, who was the programmer slash game designer on Centipede. That was probably my biggest, wow, we're all, you know, we're all just trying our best. (laughs) Like nobody has all the answers. Everybody's just trying to make the best thing they can. Um, You know, speaking with her, first of all, she's such a kind and warm and thoughtful person. She, She was one of my favorite interviews. And then also... You know, she she came in and she had like a notebook full of ideas and she read a notebook full of ideas. And she, um, you know, j- just talking to her about I didn't know if this was going to work, but hey, let's try it. Felt very relatable as also a game developer. because that's usually what we're doing, too. So I think the biggest takeaway lesson overall, though, was that there is this big legacy that I was joining. Like you hear all the time from people I think I talked about this a little bit last time, but I'm going to talk about it again. <laughs> you, you hear all the time, like, video games are so new. They're brand new. They're the new media. They're, you know, all this stuff, which, you know, relatively speaking, you know, compared to theater or opera. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but they're not that new. We do have this legacy that is over 50 years old at this point. We have developers who've been around for a really long time and the technology has changed a lot, but the mindset of we want to come in and make something interactive and interesting and gripping is, is the same (laughs) as it was 60 years ago. And so we, we have these lessons and experiences of people who came before us um, that, that, you know, we can always look to as, as part of this legacy of developers. The technology has definitely updated and it's easier to create a 200 hour game instead of just, you know, Atari Pong, but it's still, still video game. Mm -hmm. I think it's so funny because I was just listening to this episode of Armchair Expert. Um, (laughs) They, that's one of my favorite podcasts, but the most recent guest they had was Reggie Fisame, who used to be the, what was it? The CEO of Nintendo. And they were talking a lot about the games industry because he just wrote a book too. The name I'm forgetting. I guess we need a fact check also. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, like they were Dax and Monica, the two co-hosts of that podcast. If you don't know, listeners, I figured you guys do. But um, <laughs> and they were like, "Wow, what people? So many people play games." And Reggie was like, "Yeah, it's like a 200 billion dollar industry. It's more than movies and TV yep. shows. Like far more." They he said, "Out of the world." Three billion people play video games. Yeah, and and so for me, hearing that it was very validating because I'm like, you know, all three of us, I know, we grew up playing games, mm-hmm. and we love games, and it's always been marketed to us as like this niche thing, like oh, you're you for one, being a woman playing is so rare, and then two, only oh. nerds play games. You know, like hardly anyone actually plays games. They're like that's just patently false. <laughs> like there's no way that's true. It's not true. And I think that mindset partially comes from like, what is a gamer? You know, what is the view of a gamer? And if you if you see it as it's first of all, as you said, like, it is a white teenage boy who is uh, sitting in front of a console playing a video game for for, you know, 12 hours straight. 
yeah, probably that is pretty niche. <laughs> that is that is not um, that is, that is not three billion people who are like that. But you know, mobile games are huge, and most mobile gamers are women. Women in their between their forties and fifties. We have you know mobile games, PC games, console games. Like there are so many different kinds of games and so many different kinds of gamers that trying to limit like what what a gamer is is where I think we get the attitude of like. You know, I didn't know that many people play games. Well, yeah, because you have a very specific view in your head of what what a gamer can be. And that's not true. And it's never been true. I think what's also really important here. Yeah, like they were also shocked to learn that the average gamer is in their 30s. And I'm yeah. like, that's me. Like, I'm 30. That's it's It's our generation because we're the ones who grew up with Atari, with Nintendo 64. Like, you know, that it's so it's I'm assuming that the gamers who are the average gamer is the one who's grown up playing it and they never stopped because that was also something they talked about is how they have this view of well you play games when you're a kid and then you grow out you grow out of it yeah that's just that's not true either well yeah and i I, like if you compare it to the history of television it's almost like you know there, there came a generation that when they hit their 30s and they had kids they they showed their kids TV shows and they all grew up as a family doing it together. That's games now. You know, I know people who are in their 30s who uh, who still play and they play with their kids. Like it is becoming a a family thing too. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> so, like, so so yeah. My daughter is 11 and uh, she plays Animal Crossing. She plays uh, Roblox and Minecraft and Toka Life. So, I mean, she's a mobile gamer big time. And then she plays a lot on the Switch. And that's obviously because it's like, I'm a gamer. This is what I did as a kid. So I'm going to yeah. show you all the cool things that I did. I'm trying to get yeah. her to play Spyro. Oh, Spyro's yeah, I, I remember my mom, like she's not a gamer, but me and my twin sister obviously were and still are. And we would play Spyro and she was always like, I want to be Spyro. Spyro is my favorite. She would get so into everything we were doing, which that's a good thing for all parents to do, I think. And my mm-hmm. daughter is only two. So all she does is take 50 <laughs> screenshots on my Switch, but <laughs> she loves watching me play games. So especially Animal Crossing. But it's fun. I love seeing that because my dad's the reason I like games. I just like it not being this shamey thing. Like, it's a hobby. I have to hide it, you know? Yeah. Uh, no, but- yeah. Yeah, totally. I, I think, again, you know, it's also just people, if you've never been involved or invested in games or just been introduced to it, it can be hard to get in. I, I think of it, um, one of my other favorite loves, as you both know, because you follow me on Twitter. I'm so sorry. But one of my other... <laughs> major loves is musicals and i think um if you've never been introduced to musicals and you don't kind of know the shorthand of musicals that like oh we have the most emotions we're gonna break into dance and we have slightly fewer emotions we're gonna break into song if you don't know all that games are very much the same way it's hard to get into it if you didn't grow up with it and i think that could be intimidating for some people so that's also like why i try to be like no there, there are so many genres there's so many cool things that you might like i i think i said this last time on the podcast but when i when i told my mom that i wanted because my mom is not a gamer uh when i told her that i wanted to make video games like i showed her the beginning of last of us and she was like this is this is gorgeous this is great yeah um (laughs) like it's a real job that real people do so you know it's expanding people's horizons (laughs) is also just really important it's about to look even better come september also (laughs) have you seen some of those oh my gosh i was like that i couldn't 
I was expecting like a Mass Effect version of the remastering. I feel like they just went in and were like, let's just remake it entirely. And it looks so good. Yeah, I missed the showcase because I was working. And so I came back oh, to my no. phone and had like dozens of texts from people going, how did they even do that? How did they? And I'm like, I like, I don't work at Naughty Dog. I don't know. But it looks like it took a lot of work because it's gorgeous. <laughs> Look, looks great. But yeah, yeah. it's ooh, it's phenomenal. Yeah, that's like on our episode with um, Pan Am that we just did. Mm-hmm. The guest we had on Sam, who's a co-host of the Mass Effect Lorecast. He was saying how for him, the romance for Pan Am was like the first time he felt like I am participating in like this movie, but I'm, I am the movie. And I thought it was very interesting that he said that was the first time. Cause I'm like, that's like my whole thing with games, you know, like it really does feel that way, especially the narrative ones. Yeah, it really does. When I was a, you know, when I was a kid and, and we didn't have quite, quite the graphics we do now let's put it that way um quite the graphics quite the animation we have now it felt like being in a book for me because games were so text heavy then but like i get to be in the book but then you know i the first game that really hit me as like oh i'm in a movie or a tv show oh it's me uh was was dragon age origins followed shortly by mass effect and uh, i was like they're in 3d now they walk around i'm not having to just read text whoa so, I don't Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're going to come back to Dragon Age. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> the Dreadwolf announcement came out, and so I restarted the series, and uh, still not okay. I've played it before, and I'm like, ah, <laughs> Yeah. I need them to remaster Origins so bad, because I don't think I have anything I can play it on right now. I'm not sure. But can it be played on PS5? It's on, no, but it is on Xbox. Oh, um, okay. My husband has an Xbox. I'll have to steal it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yep. Because I haven't um, played Origins for years, but yeah. that one still, I remember them. Like, I barely remember Dragon Age 2 because it just didn't make the same impact on me as Origins did. Yeah. Although it's still a good game. Yeah. Before we get too far in Dragon Age, I wanted to <laughs> app up Gamer Girl first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I can Focus. nerd out. Um, but I just wanted to say, you did touch on it because you are also a gamer girl. Like, someone someday will write a book and you will be in it, I'm sure. And <laughs> I wanted to know, what do you hope to leave? What do you hope someone will write about you? Like, in a book like Gamer Girls 2 or whatever, you know? <laughs> gamer Girls, the re-gaming. Um, Let's see. <laughs> Gosh, that's a big question. I, I guess, um, you know, kind of my mindset as a game developer is to tell really good and rich and emotional stories. So that would be nice to have in there. She told stories like that. But also, um, I think I'd like to be remembered. Gosh, this this feels very big. I feel like someone's erecting a statue to me. If I say this now, <laughs> Probably not. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'd also like to be remembered in addition to you know being a good storyteller for being a really good colleague and coworker and and advocating for other people um, who are you know not not me not from my demographics but advocating for others to see themselves in games and to feel like they have a seat at the table and um, you know just being a really good collaborator um, you know eventually maybe leader but i don't know uh, at the very least like a, a very good collaborator so those are the two i guess was pleasant to work with told good stories if we want to sum it up long live queen mary <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh God! <laughs> Do your best. <laughs> One of the big things that I really like is uh, not pushing anybody else down in order to uplift mm-hmm. yourself, but bringing everybody up with you at the same time. And I feel like that is what you are doing with the collaboration and advocacy and making sure that all viewpoints are seen. So Thank you. I hope so. I mean, it, it, it really, it, it just, we tell better and more nuanced and more interesting stories when we have other people at the table who don't necessarily look or think like us. Right. And I know just from my own experience, how much better all of my scripts have gotten when other people have looked at them and had, you know, had feedback and had changes and had, uh, you know, just, ideas to keep improving um i that is really important to me being able to work as a team and 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 make the best thing possible and not just spit out whatever's in my head because you know i like it but it doesn't mean it's the best version (laughs) of of what this story could be so so yeah that's that's my mindset i like working on a team which is good you know in that case that i work in triple a because it is a big team (laughs) so so I was just thinking that like game, the games industry is uniquely positioned to be that kind of forefront example of how best to have diversity in all things and how to represent everybody because so many people play games. It's such a huge industry and it also requires so much input from everyone in so many different fields to all come together to make this thing. So yeah. it's like the best games are going to be the ones that do that best, that bring everyone to the table and that's the games that will become most popular and also that will just be a better product, better art piece. So Yeah, and I, I've been lucky to work on a lot of titles where one of the central questions was, what does it mean to be heroic? What does it mean to be a hero? Whether it was a superhero title or like Walking Dead, same thing. Like, how, how do we be a hero in a world that is broken? And asking that question over and over and realizing, you know, what what does it mean to be heroic? It means to care about the people around you. It means not to center yourself in every experience. It means to be willing to stand up for things when you know it's the unpopular opinion. And, you know, being able to work on that over and over, you're right. I think it is a really good, you know, canvas for, for diversity and for diversity in media. Because if the question is, what does it take to be a hero? One of the answers should be, it's about what you do. <laughs> it's about what you overcome. Not necessarily like it, it's, there's not one kind of person who can be heroic. It is not, you know, not everybody needs to look like Chris, Chris Hemsworth, although, you know, that's great. Love you. But, <laughs> but, but you can not look like Chris Hemsworth and still be a hero. And I, I think that's one of the more powerful ways to answer that question. And we have a unique ability to do that. We have playable characters. So, so that's great. I kind of got brought up in a conversation I had the other day about how there are some video game characters who are super, super attractive. Like, they are the hot (laughs) babe. They are the gorgeous dude. But then you've also got other characters who are not so classically beautiful or classically handsome. And then they're still out there being a badass. They're still out Mm -hmm. there doing the heroic thing. So, no the everyday average person can still be heroic by their decisions and their choices. Not necessarily. Yeah. But on the topic of superheroes, I feel like you are (laughs) uniquely qualified to talk about this, given your games experience. (laughs) I was thinking about this last time that we talked because I was, you know, they've announced like the last of a show. We've got the Witcher. And I was like, what are the, it's so interesting to me 
because you have those that were games. I mean, The Witcher started off as books, but let's forget about that for a second. <laughs> like games that became television or some form of visual media. And then you have things that are from TV or comics, you know, like Wolverine, Spider-Man, and then you're adapting it for a game. So I was wondering, like, there's got to be some challenges, but also maybe some things that are a bit easier when you're com- working on something that's already in existence. You don't have to, like, create all new stuff because you have all this lore to pull from already. So I was wondering, like, how... Actually, think about it, because Walking Dead, too, you know, it was a show also. <laughs> so, like, yeah, <laughs> how has that been for you, like, working within universes that are established in some ways already yeah the biggest comp or the best comp to me is the the first video game i ever worked on was historical fiction it was based on like sixth century vikings i mean it was little it was a tiny little indie game it was my very first writer contract and i I didn't know what i was doing but you know i was i was plucky so so i got the contract that was my very first game and it required a ton of research. I had to read a lot of books. I had to look up a lot of things. We had, um, we contracted with a professor, a history professor um, in England. And I at first was really nervous and then got more comfortable with emailing him being like, Hey, I just named like 15 characters. Are any of these names right? And he was usually like, no, but I love that you tried. Here are the correct versions of those names. So that ended up being really good experience leading me to you know, working on on with Skybound and with DC and with Marvel, because, again, it's a lot of research. <laughs> and sometimes when you can't find the right answer, like emailing or calling people and saying, hey, uh, I noticed that, you know, this is the rule in this comic run, but but it appears that that rule was broken in this comic. Run. Like, which one do we want to do? So, so, you know, questions like that do come up all the time. Um, a lot of these characters have a very long and storied history but every every ip is different um i would say the walking dead was really interesting because it wasn't just we had the tv show although we didn't intersect with it very much we had the comics so the comics kind of set up the rules of the world and the themes that were interesting (laughs) like like to kirkman and uh you know we we kind of had to had to stick to that and that's fine again it's much like if I do research on Vikings and I find out they don't have spaceships, I should probably not write a story with spaceships. Like, that's fine. You know, it's sometimes you want a little bit of a box because it's easier to pick what you do want. Like, okay, these are the themes that we're interested in exploring. Which one of these do I want to tell or what kind of unique spin on it do I want versus there's no box. I could tell any story in the world and (laughs) that's a lot. Uh, Too much freedom is also a thing. The, The Walking Dead was, was interesting though, because all of, pretty much all of the characters were original. So it was, we were still in that world and we still had rules of the world, but we didn't have, you know, so much like, okay, this is this character and this is how you nail their voice. It was, who are the characters you want to introduce to these rules to explain the themes? And that worked really well. Um, But (laughs) in addition to having the, the show and the comics, we also, you know, I was on the fourth season. So Clementine was already a person like I had to understand who she is how has she changed who was she in season one who would she be now what kind of what kind of parental figure would she be what did she learn from all these other seasons and in that way it was similar to you know later going on to Miles and and so on inheriting a character that somebody else wrote but really trying to understand 
not just who is this person, how do they talk, what do they care about, although also, yes, not just understanding who are they, what do they say, how, what do they care about, but also um, what do audiences relate to in this character? Why do they love this character? Why do they hate this character? Like trying to also wrap your head around that as much as possible um, is is just part of the job. And it's honestly like historical fiction is my favorite genre. So uh, it, it's so similar that to the kinds of things that I'm interested in that like, I'm good. <laughs> I love doing IP work. It's fun. I guess it would be the same too, as if you just joined a team, like the people, for instance, for Dragon Age, like, <laughs> I don't think um, David Gator works at Bioware anymore, right? And he yeah. created Thetis and stuff. So it's like, literally everyone who comes after him has to be like, okay, what was, what did he do? <laughs> Why did he make this person this way? And I've heard they have like binders and stuff with all the lore, but that can't be everything you need to know. I, the research side of me is like, that's amazing. And it's also nice because, like you said, with, you have to create everything from scratch. It's very overwhelming. But also, you don't want to get something wrong. So you have to do a lot of research. Yeah. No. And um, I actually talked to uh, Karen Weeks about this, who is in uh, Gamer Girls. But <laughs> she, she, she was one of the first editors at BioWare. In fact, I think she was their first editor. Yeah. At BioWare. And uh, she told me that they also, I mean, they have people who, the, the editing staff is also devoted to up. They have people who are devoted to lore as well. And I'm like, you would need to be <laughs> like between Mass Effect and Dragon Age and, and, you know, like they've built a lot of worlds over there. I am glad they have archivists or whatever they call them. I'm just calling them archivists. <laughs> but um, yeah, that, that's, whew, that's hard. I also got to say fan wikis. Thank God for them. <laughs> they are so <laughs> I worked on smaller games, like when I was a freelancer, I worked on, um, you know, smaller games, indie studios, like that couldn't really afford to have their own in-house, like we're keeping our own records. And so the fan wiki saved my life because I was like, oh God, I wasn't on the first game. What's, what happened? I don't know. So th- thank you fans and your wikis. Gosh, I know that's a huge resource for for me when I'm doing research for episodes too, just for our little podcast, I can't imagine. I don't know. It, it must be so cool to be that kind of fan and put that much effort into it. But I'm like, wow, the, the amount of work that went into this wiki and they're, they're for all things like every single genre IP that you can think of. Um, even the little most, there's this one website called TV tropes, which I always reference in mm-hmm. our, um, our episodes. Oh. I'm always amazed. I'm like, is, is this, char- this character is so minor. And they're always in there. They're always in there with their own huge list of tropes. And I'm like, who analyzed them? Good for you. Thank you so much. I love it. I've read TV tropes on a few things that I've written. And uh, there are a couple cases where I'm like, wow, they make me sound way more put together than I was. Because <laughs> it's like, clearly they're trying to, you know, illustrate this theme with this minor character. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that sounds right. It reminds me of like AP English in high school when we're like analyzing these books. And I mean, all, all of the authors of those books are dead, right? But I'm like, I wonder what they would say. Like when you're, this is the theme of this book and this is why this character exists. And like, sure, I just wrote it though. Like, I don't know. <laughs> That's the joke, right? Isn't it? The, it's like, um, it's like AP English. And, you know, they're like, what was the meaning of the blue drapes? And the author would be like, that the drapes were blue. And like the rest of the, and that's it. Yeah, I, I definitely feel it. There, there are sometimes where I'm like, oh, yeah, we did, you know, we did talk about those themes. We did talk about 
that character arc and that turning point and whatever. And there are other times I'm like, sure, sure. I mean, I'm not going to argue with you. <laughs> if you think that was thematic, what up? <laughs> yeah, I guess the muses just took me and I, I didn't realize what I was doing, but I'm glad you guys saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm smarter than I knew, I guess. <laughs> and now let's take a quick break so you can listen to the sponsors of today's episode. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And now it's time to thank our patrons so, so much for their continuing support of our little show. Thank you to Captain Shanko, to Apollo, Toasty, SheCup and Teacup, Meiji Moose, and Stoned Mystheos. Thank you so, so much to you and to all the other patrons on our Patreon. If you're interested in joining our Patreon, the link is in the description. You will have to directly go to that link because like I've said before, Patreon marked us an explicit content creator. So to protect the children, you cannot search for us. So if you're interested, please see the description. Thank you so much. And now we're back with our show. I hope you enjoyed the ad break. I wonder if that just means that movie tropes or character tropes like that are really a lot more ingrained in us than we think that they are. Because if you're just writing it without even really thinking about it being part of that, then maybe that's just the way that it is. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're living in a space long enough, it does kind of become se- second nature to you. I mean... For example, I'll, I'll use Walking Dead as an example. You know, the our our season leads were really clear with us that like this season is about Clementine and the little boy she's taking care of, AJ. It is about these two. It is about their relationship. Who is she going to raise him to be in in the apocalypse? And over time, you know, I didn't have to go through the mental gymnastics of it's about Clementine, AJ. Like it was just it was just second nature at some point. So yeah, I think that does happen when you have really good leads on your project who set really clear standards. One of the other famous ones is God of War 2018. And one of their pillars, like one of their game pillars, they had three of them was just father slash son. That's it. That's all it was. And that is such a good pillar because it's informing everything you do that, that tells us something about writing that tells us something about side quest design that tells us something about the art design that tells us, 
about everything and how we have to make our levels. Like, like it's, it's really, really good. And I think that's another one where it's like, you don't have to think father slash son all the time. It just becomes second nature um, after, after long enough. Man, do I love that pillar too. Like God of war. And that's one of my favorite things in any media is like the grudging father figure with a <laughs> child that they may not have wanted, but then they grow to love. You yeah. Know, like Mandalorian. Like there's a good one. Last of Us. Last God of Us. Of War. God of Those War. Those are always my favorite stories. I yeah. love them so much. I love a grumpy dad. <laughs> go ahead, sorry, go. Dad. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Uh, so I literally wrote on our on our notes. We need to gush about Egg Daddy. Uh, I know. <laughs> I got that message, and I was like, "I'm toast. I'm gonna sweat on camera." I can't wait. <laughs> You're also wearing a hat that says "Daddy." I yeah. did that because you sent me that message. <laughs> I was so hoping that's why. <laughs> We're gonna talk about Egg Daddy. I was like, "All right, okay." I'm gonna <laughs> For those of you not in the know, that is Solus from Dragon Age Inquisition, otherwise known as Egg Daddy, because he's bald and everyone just calls him an egg, but also yeah. Dragon Age Dreadwolf is dad. Let's, but yes, I'm excited for that. I know that we're not going to play our Inquisitors, but I need some closure. I just need to know, like, because my Inquisitor romanced him, obviously. They need to acknowledge that. I need them to acknowledge that in the next game. That's what I need them to do. I I also, I love, I don't know why, because this is not true in anything else, but in Dragon Age specifically, I only want relationships that will fail. Because, <laughs> and Solus is one of them. And uh, at the end of uh, Trespasser, no spoilers, I'm going to try, whatever. Um, but no I spoil away. They know, yeah. they know what they did when they come in here. Yeah, Solis and I had our big emotional reunion, and oh my god, it was so sad. And I was like, oh, you're actually a bad boy, and that was nice. But then I, I, you know, my Inquisitor was basically like, I'm going to hunt you down and ruin everything, your whole business. And I was like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, I hope, I hope she gets to have her little vengeance quest. And if not, I'll just imagine it in my head. That's fine, too. <laughs> I love that. No, no. I guess I am the minority in this. I, okay, I kind of get it. The voice is good. (laughs) I don't, I found him attractive in one hat so far that I liked him in. (laughs) And what was the hat? Wait, yeah. (laughs) It's uh, the very first hat that you get, or one of the first ones that I got was called the Gift of the Toke. No, it was like called the Gift of the Inquisitor or the Hat of the Inquisitor. And it's a big, um, I almost want to call it a pirate hat, but it has flipped up on one side, but it also gives him hair. And so (laughs) his head is no longer bald. Yeah, I took a screenshot of it because I was like, I'm going to show V this one day when I actually can say that, hey, he almost looks cute in this one. There's also some concept art of him with hair, and it is very aggressive. Um, yeah, very attractive. <laughs> yeah, I. This is why I told Jen. I, I can't. What episode was it? Was it Panams or maybe it was Carrie's? Where I was like, I'm definitely demisexual. Like, I need the personality, and that's what it is for Solus. I will never say it's because he's hot in any way, but like, there is something with his dastardly confidence. So. 
it's you know, also, he just carries himself well. I, I really got to shout out, you know, the, the Patrick Weeks wrote him and I am not usually into characters that talk down to me. I mean, especially menfolk characters. I'm usually like, you know what? I'm the protagonist. <laughs> Get off my back. But uh, I, he just did a really good job of this is someone who knows his stuff, but also has a little, just a little bit of insecurity in how attractive my character is. So that's great. Love that for me. Uh, it, it just really, really works. And I think the voice acting also is just phenomenal. He did a really good performance that I'm like, oh, goodness, this is, this is a boy with very deep feelings. Um, the breakup scene was real intense. Like, it was really, really well done. So, good job. You ruined my life. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm so surprised by. Because, you know, in all of our episodes of characters, Jen breaks down the sex scene. I break down the romance. There is no sex scene to be <laughs> broken down in this. And I'm like, how is this? Because I, I know we love Solus, but Solus is also like one of the most popular romance choices for Inquisition, it seems like, at least if you go on Twitter, we see all like the <laughs> Solus fangirl pages and stuff. And I'm like, how is it? I guess that's just a testament to the writing, you know, and the voice acting, because that is a big reason for sure. What's his name? Yeah. Gareth David Lloyd, I think. Yeah, he's a Welsh actor. I, I went and found him on Instagram, and I'm like, he's got like two followers, and he's in a play right now. And I'm like, everyone's sleeping on him right now. One of the two <laughs> followers is me. Yeah, I'm me like, too. I'm the other one. People need to know you. <laughs> yeah, and, and Twitter's the same story. I'm like, he's he's literally like responding to people, posting little cute pictures backstage, and I'm like, what? Ever, everyone's not paying attention to him? What is this? <laughs> Dragonish fandom, where are you? I know you can be feral if you put your mind to it. Come on. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's only a few fan or a few voice actors that ever get like that kind of notoriety. Obviously, Jennifer Hale being one. Mark yeah. Mears another one because rabid Mass Effect fan base. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, um, the same thing for um, who voiced Catalo in Forbidden West. No Sheer Dolan. No Sheer? Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, I love his voice, and I went on his Twitter, I, we follow him there, and I'm like, nobody's following this man, like, you guys. I am, so, so I know Noshir, I've worked with him before, Ooh. and um, he, I'm so glad that he is getting such a big moment in the sun with Catalo, because he's so, so good, at, he's a great actor, he's a great, like, I worked with him on, on Spider-Man Miles Morales, because he does stunts as well, like, he's just, and the first time I met him, we were asking him, like, hey, how do you think, uh, you know, so-and-so character would leave the building? And he just, like, does a backflip, like, in the middle of the room. He's like, well, maybe like this. So he just jumps in the air and does a backflip. And I was like, what? Human <laughs> bodies don't do that. What are you doing? It was bananas. So he he is such a skilled actor, so good at, like, ah, I'm just really happy for him. And Catalo is a great character. Like, when he showed up, I was like, oh, shit, no shit, yeah. like you. That You're I've said this before. I'll say it again. It's the voice. He's, he's literally covered head to toe in paint. And I saw, oh my gosh, Chad Solis picture. Impressive. <laughs> that is, yeah. The hair yeah. is terrible. That's the hair that it puts on everyone. It's so weird. I don't know what, what's is going it, on with that. It looks like it a even, helmet. 
a cap? Like a jockey cap? I don't know. When he gets the one that looks like a beanie or a toque and his ears just stick out, I'm like, I can't put him in a hat. I need to not. (laughs) You dumbo over here. Oh, wait. I kind of like this because now it looks like I'm wearing the hat. Yeah, it does look like you're wearing the hat, which I love. I love the jaunty hat for you. <laughs> okay, let me fangirl that Catalo again for a second. Yeah, I, yeah, that yeah, man no. is painted from head to toe. And I'm like, I'm in love with you. Please let me romance you. Please can't add romance <laughs> to this series. I will romance Catalo so fast. But it looks like they're pushing us toward Arend, but whatever. It's fine. I will always love you, Catalo. I love Arend too, and I loved him from the first game, and it I was like, there's no way any of the new characters could compete with my undying love of Ren. And then Catalo shows up. I'm like, just kidding. (laughs) Actually, actually, I'm fickle, apparently, because Catalo is great. Yeah, there was my my scene in the sun was when Ashir retweeted or replied to something I put because I found this amazing fan art. And I was like, I just I need Catalo to get on a sun wing like he needs to be able to fly. So important to their culture. And then he replied, I'm like, oh. He noticed you me. Senpai yeah. noticed me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's uh, he's great. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah, if no one else, I am Katala's number one fangirl. If no one else fangirling over him, it's definitely me. I also love Arend. He's super yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I need them to add romance to that. I don't know. Actually, we've had a good debate on whether they should or not. But I just want it in every game. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's always my take, too, is I'm like, I, I understand why they didn't choose that, and I understand why it makes sense for the character, and on the other hand, like, I am a person who loves dating sins, and add, I love romance added to action. I think it is great. Oh, okay, so I'm like, I get it. it, it she's already great, all these characters are great, but what if we added some more systems? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. romance. I would, I would love that i i mean she's just so alone all the time i need her to i mean she's got her friends but i just i don't know if she's open to it someone actually made the point that she could be the first like asexual character in a game Mm -hmm. sure yeah yeah i've I've seen that too and and i i do i think that is an interesting take too yeah no i i think her character totally works without it. it it is like you said it's i think the story's good and i think the um you know her kind of building her network of friends is great and also you know like at the same time i am an endless romance lover person who wants to read and watch and play that all the time so yeah i am well, if, two minds <laughs> yeah i feel the same way if no one if they don't add romance for aloy then just give katala somebody please <laughs> i just need he's i just need him to be loved katala plus Arend. Hmm? Maybe yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I would take it. Yep. What or um, what's that girl from the Quen? I can't oh. remember her name. I can't the remember the, like yeah, like the little archivist one. Mm-hmm. I think they're. I would ship them because they're so at odds. It's so funny. Like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. good enemies lovers. All we're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I do appreciate a good enemies to lovers. And the lovers to enemies. Just give me all. Go go back. Yeah. Speaking of solace. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. I I can't wait to see more of that. I just it's so amazing to me. I just keep thinking, I'm like, I, I was sixteen years old when I first became a Dragon Age fan. I am now thirty <laughs> and I'll be thirty one, maybe two <laughs> the next time I get to play a Dragon Age game. And I can't wait. 
Yeah, I'm just so happy it's still going. Like, in some ways, I'm like, this was a good fandom to join because same thing. Like, I played my first Dragon Age game when I was 18 and I'm still getting to look forward to new content. Like, that's wild. You know, the the series could have been like, oh, okay, we've been around long enough, like a while ago. And, and certainly many other series have gone that route. But I'm still getting to go to freak out about a new announcement for Dragon Age. Yeah, 4, so that, that's pretty great. I feel like we don't get that too much because like for me anyway, my point of view, I grew up, my first thing that I was a big fan of was Lord of the Rings, which was completely mm-hmm. over before they started making the movies. When I was a little, little kid, my mom was reading it to us. Mm-hmm. And then Harry Potter, now, I, I did get to grow up with Harry Potter and like mm-hmm. that was super cool, but then it ended. And then I, I did play Uncharted all the way through since the last time we talked, which was, I yeah. I had to like... This, this happens every time I finish any Naughty Dog game, I feel like, especially Uncharted because it was a complete story, mm-hmm. which I was thinking about that. We don't really have that in other games that, that are like that. Like Last of Us is still going, Horizon's still going, Dragon Age and Mass Effect are still going. Mm-hmm. Like most of these big narrative games, RPG games, like they're just not over yet, which I love. But then Uncharted, I got to have the whole thing. Yeah. Beautiful epilogue. And I put the controller down. I'm like, I just need to sit in silence. Yeah, just absorb. Like I was, I literally cried. I was like, "This is the best ending." Because Last of Us, I'm sure, is not going to get a good ending like that. <laughs> but uh, Uncharted was beautiful. I love yeah. that whole story. I I think I I really I'm kind of in the same camp of I really appreciate endings because I think there are just so many series and movies and books that just want to be able to keep going forever and then what inevitably happens if that's the plan is that the ending feels, you know, abrupt. <laughs> it's like all of a sudden we're like, Oh, just kidding. And we're over. Um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I, one of the things I really appreciate about Mass Effect, the original trilogy is like, even though we have more Mass Effect coming and, you know, we had Andromeda, which, which I really liked. I really enjoyed Andromeda. Uh, the original trilogy is a story. It has an ending. And that just feels nice to know that, like, okay, Shepard got an ending and it's over and this is the complete story. And it's, yeah, I, I I think you're right. We don't always get that in games. But when I do get that in a game, I'm like, ooh, this feels good. <laughs> I got to, I got to, you know. Even the, I mean, we didn't know we were getting The Last of Us Part 2 at the time. But, like, when The Last of Us 1 ended, it felt like, okay, that is an ending. And, you know, obviously we decided to build on it. And that's that's totally cool. But it's always nice when a game feels like it ended. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there who think Last of Us Part 2 doesn't exist, and they'll just take the first one. I don't mm-hmm. personally get that. I thought the second game was amazing, mm-hmm. and I it, it ended really sadly. So I hope yeah. the third part is going to go back up into the happy place, maybe a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> but man, I, it was beautiful. Uh, yeah, Painfully, the ending, so. yeah, the ending fight of The Last of Us 2 is one of my favorite, like, final boss fights I think I've ever seen. I, man, I think it I know we a... fangirled about this last time for sure. Yeah, we did, I, we it, did, you're we right. We can okay, do it again. Do it again. <laughs> no, because it's, it's literally the most amazing. I remember you said that the Uncharted 4 chase scene was one of, like, the best scenes mm-hmm. you've seen in the game, too. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was like, yes, bombs going off, cars everywhere, fire, guns, and then The Last of Us Part 2. Two women stabbing each other in the ocean. Yikes. Yeah, I, I think, you know, going back to our original point, like, ooh, wow, way back machine. Um, 
it really shows the breadth of what games can do, right? Like we were saying, there's a lot of different genres and that different people are going to get into it for different reasons. Are you more into two women sadly stabbing each other in the ocean or are you into explosions? We have both. (laughs) Both? Both? Why not both? I like both. both. Yeah, I'm into both. (laughs) (laughs) I'm definitely into both. Because sometimes it's like, that's something we've talked about, me and Jen, on the show many times before too. It's like, Games are one of the best ways for catharsis of emotion. And, like, mm-hmm. they have this wonderful, like, Thanksgiving platter of just, what do I feel like? Do I want to cry today? Mm-hmm. Okay, I guess I'll play The Last of Us Part Two. Do I want to be super happy? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll play Animal Crossing or whatever. You know, like, it just depends on, on your mood. And that's something we also talk about with relationships in games specifically. Not just romantic, but especially romantic. Is, um you can experience things like maybe I'm really sad about something in my life, but I choose to cry over Thane dying instead of, you know what I mean? It's it's a good way to express that out. Yeah, it really, it also, um, I mean, one of the, Christine Love has talked about this a lot. She uh, is a fantastic game designer and game writer and um, all around person from what I can tell. We've never met, but, but um, very good games critic as well. Christine Love has written about um, one of the games that, that she created was uh, Lady Killer in a Bind and has talked about games can be, you know, kind of a safe space to explore things that you wouldn't want to in real life because, like, you have the ultimate, you know, kind of safe word is you can turn off a video game, right? And um, I've talked to, I know I talked about this last time, I've talked to multiple people who Mass Effect help them realize they were bisexual, help them realize that, you know, like, and I, I think that is also a cool and powerful thing for an interactive medium to be able to do. Like that, that is, that is me. I know it, it certainly helped me kind of put words to what I was feeling. So, you know, thank you, Liliana. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I know I, me and Jen were joking about that a while ago. We were talking about, this isn't a game, but I was talking about true blood. I'm like, you know, when you have Eric Northman and then also Pam, because <laughs> like, that show came out when I was a teenager and then mm-hmm. cyberpunk like Judy perfect example yep. of that like I I didn't play Mass Effect until I think it was after Dragon Age so I was already in the Navy or maybe I was just before yeah. I don't know but for me I'm like I don't really have a label but I'm just like I love being able to just choose and go off of how I feel and not have any pressure like in the outside world, you know, growing up, if you were doing that with real people, there'd be a lot of consequences to that behavior, maybe, or sure, like you yeah. have a lot of judgment or you couldn't do it at all, even if you wanted to, depending on where you are. So mm-hmm. it's a good thank you games for <laughs> yeah. if for nothing else. Yeah. Yep. No, it's, it's like I said, I just started Dragon Age Origins over and uh, it is all, I'm like, oh, look, I have two perfect cinnamon rolls. Alistair right here and Liliana right here. And they both think I'm the bomb diggity and I can't break their stupid little hearts. So yeah, you know, bisexual experience. There it is. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're like, who do I choose? I can't. They both, they both love me. <laughs> <laughs> New idea. Can you have a triple? <laughs> like we would make an amazing throuple we're all kind-hearted but no they they get real spicy in their jealousy conversations they're like um the other one is really sweet and nice and you're being horrible and i'm like i know thanks oh <laughs> Great. i don't think i've ever done the confrontations and origins i should go back and watch those 
They're awesome. <laughs> They're, I, uh, one of the things I, w- I was talking to a friend of mine who, who works on uh, Elder Scrolls Online the other day. So like she has also worked on a lot of like conditional dialogue and dialogue options and things like that. And obviously I did it Telltale. And we were just talking about, you know, kind of the depth of, of Dragon Age Origins role playing system and how there are so many jealousy conversations. There are so many. Um, there's a system. If you lie to Liliana about the jealousy confrontation, she gets angrier and angrier. She's mm-hmm. like, I know you lied to me last time. Like that takes a lot of forethought because obviously you have to program all that. You have to, it has to happen on certain triggers. Like it's really well done. They really put a lot of effort into making the companions feel real and like they were adjusting to you and you know i I obviously am a fan um and i'd kind of forgotten about it until i just went back and started playing it again i was like oh yeah i can ruin their whole lives depending (laughs) on how i play (laughs) yeah it's so so it's for me my favorite was um when alistair starts to get real snarky when you choose zevran i'm Uh like wow i would have never guessed that was a part of his personality because you don't get to see that side of him unless you do that but Mm -hmm. it's just cool it's like this little little easter egg of douche canoe alistair you know <laughs> snide comments i've never romanced everyone because uh alistair is my favorite uh video game romance of them all so i can't not do his romance but i watched my friend the same friend romance Severin, and i thought it was really interesting how alistair kind of took on this brotherly like attitude of like she's she's my she's my best friend and you're dating her and you suck and he like confronts him in outside of conversations with you when he's just walking around talking to Zevran, he will be like, what the hell are you doing, dude? It's it's great. It's a really good system. Oh, yeah, that's cute. I was talking about when you, you flirt with both of them and then choose oh, Zevran yeah, yeah, yeah. later on and, and then Alistair's like, ooh, doesn't totally. like that, clearly, because you played with him, you know? Oh, yeah, to- uh, no, 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 yeah, I totally, I totally know what you mean, but even if you don't romance him at all, then he becomes like yeah, a brother who that. is like, I'm looking out for and you can go to him so and be like cute. could you relax my tooth <laughs> this should be interesting for sure because i already have my next uh three uh games all planned out for like what i'm gonna do i'm going a full mm-hmm. male run and so i'm gonna be mm-hmm. a city elf rogue um in or male city elf rogue in origins and mm-hmm. going r- romancing zev so that should be a big change with uh with my relationship with Alistair because one mm-hmm. not a romance option for a male warden and then two yeah. romancing Zev who he doesn't really like. So yeah. it should be interesting. I'm pretty sure I can't, I, I can't say for sure, but I'm pretty sure he still has those like conversations with Zev. If you're a guy, I think so. So I, I would be interested. Like you'll need to update me. <laughs> will sure. do. Yeah. No, uh, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out who in this run I'm going to be into in Inquisition. Um, I keep telling myself I'm not going to romance the list Inquisition, but like I know I'm lying. So <laughs> don't don't romance Blackwall on accident. I will oh, never no. forget that. Oh, you <laughs> accidentally romanced? Oh yeah, no! <laughs> I, I, did, I guess I didn't tell you this. Yeah, no. Um, oh, I no. started <laughs> I started a new playthrough of Inquisition last year, actually. And I was like, I'm going to romance Cullen. And then I'm like, nah, I just, I'm so bitter towards Cullen because you get such a good ending with him. And it just makes me mad that you don't get that with Solace because like you can literally <laughs> adopt a dog and get married to Cullen, you know? Yeah. It's ridiculous how. It's funny. 
You feel that re Solus. I feel that re Alistair because he's my favorite. And I'm like, why did this blonde Templar get the girl and the dog? And yes. <laughs> he didn't. The, yeah. the blonde Templar in Origins did it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in Origins, when I found out about the whole art hardening Alistair thing, I was a Dalish uh, rogue elf and mm-hmm. I didn't harden him. So I just restarted a game as a noble yeah. human to yep. be his queen. Because I didn't yep. want to be his mistress, like yeah. even if you did harden him. But yeah, that's the only way you can do that. But in Inquisition, I was—I don't know—I was feeling, I was feeling flirty, so I was like, let me just flirt with everyone. <laughs> and Black—I didn't realize that Blackwell. You literally talked to him like two times, and then he's like, "I love you forever," and that's like his soft lock. And you can't romance other people until oh. you break up with Blackwell. And the the lock scene is on the parapets of Skyhold mm-hmm. right when you get there. And, like, it's a cut scene, and he's just all, I'm not good enough for you. You're just the best person ever. And, and you're like, flirty? No, that's not true. And then I think you kiss him. Maybe you don't kiss him. I don't think, I don't know. I don't remember. I blacked it out. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and then I go talk to Solus. Because I'm like, hey, Solus, time to have our kiss dream haven scene, you know? And... The dialogue option comes. I'm sorry. If you can hear my demon child, I'm so sorry. She's playing okay, with demon her dad. Child. Okay, <laughs> she makes hilarious sounds. Um, and then the scene in Haven comes, and the dialogue wheel pops up, and the little love icon is not there. Like just to initiate the kiss. No. Like, what did I do? And I googled it, and it's like you've now romanced Blackwall. <laughs> oh no! Like I flirted with him two times. You know He's that is so very. Clingy. That's very in keeping with the wardens, though. They're all like that. Alistair, Anders, <laughs> like, oh, you were nice to me one time. Love me. And I'm like, okay. All right, guys. Yeah. And just for, for shiggles, I went and watched, like, his romance video. Because I'm like, well, my, my, my best friend, Eileen, who I talk about all the time, she was like, you should just romance him. Like, you've romanced Sola so many times already. Like, you know what's yeah. going to happen. You might as well. And I watched the romance scene for Blackwall. And I'm like, that's so... It's not as good. Like, it's just as <laughs> short, but not as good. So, I don't know. I've never romanced Black. I have a soft spot in my heart for Blackwell. I know, I know. you know, your mileage may vary on every character ever written, but uh, I've never romanced him. So, you know, caveat there. But, like, I I have such a soft spot in my heart for I'm living a lie type boys. So, uh, mm-hmm. the second he was like, hey, guess what? I'm living a lie. I was like, say more (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean i i like him as a friend like i just like him as a friend i'm not i'm not gonna romance him but um and then she also told me to romance iron bull because that's and in romance (laughs) jen also yeah i don't know if you've watched that video mary i sure have I, that, oh, it's so, oh, it's such a good blend. It's another Patrick Weeks character. Like, this guy fucking, Jesus, just all these romances. Yeah. Too much. Um, it was, um, <laughs> it's such a good blend of it's really, really funny, and it's also so sweet. It really got me. And it's, and it's BDSM done right. It's representation. It's, oh, I... And the thing that always, like, shocks me, like, gets me, mm-hmm. is when my player character is naked. I'm like, dude, that's my boobs on the screen. And- <laughs> dude, that's my boobs on the screen. Oh, my God. That should be a slogan. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
that on a hat. Put that on merch. <laughs> Get on merch. Our other motto is what is it? Tits, tats, turians, and tangents. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I would buy that t shirt, like 50, 50 copies of a t shirt. I don't know. <laughs> what are they called? Um, <laughs> We've been planning to do merch for so long, but we just need to find the time. Yeah. Both of us work full time and have children. And then this is also basically a full time job at this point, too. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding. Oh, no. So fun, <laughs> I'm though. glad Iron Bull came up because uh, the first time I played Inquisition, he's my romance. And I was playing a sweet little soft boy elf. And I was like, this Canary <laughs> man is going to snap him in half like a twig. <laughs> like it is, he is not going to make it. But he did. I was really proud of him. <laughs> so good job, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Colin lines in that romance scene are just, they, I was cracking up. I was dying. I love it. Josephine killed me too. <laughs> She's just staring. I was like, oh my God. It's it, such it's a good awesome. scene, such a good character, and I hope, I hope he comes back for the next one. I'm very intrigued about because I heard it's going to be in Tevinter. Dorian should be there, hopefully. Zevran should be there, hopefully, because Antiven Crows were featured in some art, mm-hmm. and Solus is obviously going to be there. <laughs> and then uh, I've Reckon heard, <laughs> yeah, I've heard tell of a non-binary character being in there which is super cool mm-hmm. <sighs> i just love it i can't wait i need it yeah. now <laughs> but also i'm glad that i have time to wait because i was so excited for horizon for good west and i got through that game so fast <laughs> now i'm sad i'm like months of waiting for like five days of intense gaming <laughs> yeah the wait is worth it well and i always just feel like and, and i i as a fan i totally get like oh, i need it right now but at the same time you know having having worked on several games i'm like I promise you want to give the devs as much time as they feel like they need. I promise that is what you want because, you know, if, if they don't, not that people haven't made amazing games under, uh, you know, difficult conditions. I think all the devs have talked about Dragon Age 2 and that, that like they didn't have a ton of time to make it. And yet it has some of my favorite characters. It has some of my favorite character interactions. It has some depth in, in all of the systems of like the rivalry and friendship, like, so many good things that came out of that game, but if you give the devs even more time, then 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 they can do all the polish they need to. They can do any rewrites they feel like they need. It's just it's always good <laughs> if they can get more time. So I'm glad so you said I, that. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I've heard so many people complain like, oh, they pushed the game again because that's like really common. You know, they'll announce a date and then it gets pushed. It's like, but you want that to happen though, like. There's so much burnout, I feel like. That's all I see a lot of people talk about on game dev Twitter is like, oh, crunch time here, burnout there. And it's like, that's not what we want. Like, you guys are crafting artwork, you know, like it's literally a piece of art. We want it to be the best. You're pouring your hearts and souls into it. So we're privileged to get the end result whenever that is. I'll be patient. Yeah. And I mean, it's anyone who has made games can tell you that most video games are held together with rubber bands and dreams. And I mean, there's so many different things in a game that can break at any given time. And, you know, if you really want innovative games, then you're going to need to give devs more time sometimes because they might come up with a really brilliant system. And then we put the system in the game and, Oh, it broke all eight of our other systems. So, you know, we need time to iron things like that out. And when we don't get that time is where you tend to get 
oh, this feels exactly like all the other games they've made. Well, yeah, because we didn't have time to even try to think of new systems, let alone implement them. So, you know, to me, dates getting pushed back is often a good thing because it means we're taking the time we need to really polish this and make sure it feels good. Because at the end of the day, like, whenever we get Dragon Age 4 or any other game, like, like that's it. You know, we're, we have the product now. So either we get it a year earlier and you know, maybe it's buggy, maybe it's not finished, maybe et cetera, et cetera. Or we get it a year later and it's beautiful and polished and great. (laughs) Like it's, you know, now we have the thing that they wanted to make and that we wanted to receive and everybody wins. So it's a little later. Yeah. Like cyberpunk is a cautionary tale, you know, (laughs) that's what happens when they get rushed Mm -hmm. and are forced to do stuff faster than they should have to. And like they still managed. I mean, I don't know. I don't. I know there was so much hate on that game when it first came out, but I did play it at launch, and yeah, it had some bugs. But like for me, I guess it's because of the type of gamer I am, and I think both <laughs> of the, all three of us are the same. Is like I want the story mainly, and like that yeah. was amazing, and it's still amazing. They've ironed out some technical stuff, yeah, but story's still great. I it's awesome, and now I can drive easier. I don't crash as much because. I don't know what they did to change the controls, but it's way yeah. better now because I just picked it up again. But yeah, I, I love I love that game, and they, we just need everyone to be patient, okay? <laughs> just be patient. Just chill, just chill, y'all. <laughs> yeah, I, every time I get sad when I go on like Twitter for Dragon Age or Mass Effect, and you just see all these people like I lost faith in Bioware because of Anthem and because of Mass Effect Andromeda, and it's just like no, no. Andromeda's a good game. I don't know why everyone's hating on it, first of all. Like, and I didn't play Anthem, but I'm sure yeah. it was fine. Yeah, Whatever. I, yeah, I don't, uh, just, do you, do you want, I guess, I guess the question I would ask is, do you want devs to try to, you know, swing for the fences or do you want them to play it safe? Cause like, if you want people to take mm-hmm. risks, sometimes those risks will not pay off and that's fine. And then they take another risk and it's amazing. Or, they don't take risks and you know, you, you never get anything new. Uh, those, those are kind of your options there. So, you yeah. Know. Like you want some boring standard basic stuff then make everyone too afraid to try something new. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to be at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. No, Andromeda had some of the, the best feeling gameplay. I feel like as the Anthem, like in a Bioware game. So like that, I really appreciate had some of my favorite characters um, that have been in a Bioware game. Like there's a lot to love there for sure. I mean, yeah, I I think also um, Twitter slash social media, there is this kind of new tidal wave of everybody feels like they need to have a take. And sometimes I'm like, you know, we don't, we don't need to advertise every take. Like certainly I have, I have group chats full of friends and, and fellow writers and things like that, where I will um, dig into like, do I really think they're executing on the themes of like whatever show or game or whatever that we're all imbibing at the time. But like, you know, you don't, it doesn't need to be out there all the time. I don't need to show up on the devs doorstep and be like, I don't think your act one turn made any sense because like they didn't ask for that. Like it's unsolicited. That's silly. Like, and so I don't know, I I guess (laughs) the cautionary tale slash point I'm trying to make is just like, you don't, you don't always need to complain directly. The, the people who were working on it were probably doing their best and under really difficult circumstances a lot of the time. Um, so, yeah, just just be kind. <laughs> Assume good intent where you can, unless given reason not to. I can't believe we've already been talking for an hour. 
Me either, yeah. Yeah. I could wax poetic about soulless more or making stuff. It's been great. Yeah, I was like, I figured you've been doing a lot of Gamer Girl stuff lately because it's coming out soon. Yeah. So I feel like for our podcast, we always just look like hearing personal experience and takes and stuff because you know i don't know if how i'm not sure how often you or other people in the games industry get to talk about like how you feel about stuff or you <laughs> as a fan you know like you're i feel like a lot of interviews are usually geared more towards like how is it when you're writing this like what are you working on next you know yeah no i am usually asked about what i'm making not what i'm enjoying that is very true um uh, which, which is fine. Like, that's not a complaint. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I, don't I know you can't say much about it, though. So I mean, right, like, it's there's true. no point, really, for me. That's most of it. It's like, what, what are you writing right now? And I'm like, uh, secrets. I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. I'm uh, writing a scene where two characters interact. They talk to each other. And then, like, and then there's like 8 million <laughs> headlines that are like, Mary Kenny says characters talk. And it's a whole take. It's a whole situation. <laughs> so I say but no, I mean, obviously, back in the in the Dragon Age, um, churn as I will be till I die, probably. Um, but also, just started the quarry, which is great. I'm really, I really liked Until Dawn, so not surprisingly, I'm really liking it so far. So that's it. That's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> I need to play the quarry. I see all the let's plays on YouTube popping up, and it's like the quarry part five, and I'm like, what is this? This game looks really cool. I haven't even looked into it yet. But I have a really bad habit of only watching or playing horror things when my husband's out of town which doesn't oh, make it horror fun. it sure is oh i can't i'm such uh, a scary <laughs> cat i'll watch someone else play it someone it might be a it or something yeah i, I don't know what the t- like i watched tommy at phil house when he was gone at night by i was by myself i did that with um the last resident evil and now i he's out of town right now and i it was nighttime and i went oh i know i'll play the quarry stupid every time <laughs> always a bad decision right you can't i can't play well i've played some resident evil games but like mm-hmm. gosh what was the one which one was it where you were in the swamp can't remember which one that was mm-hmm. you know i'm talking about with like the mm-hmm. the family in the house and they were like turning into these monsters and i watched markiplier play that one because i'm like i'm scared i will throw the controller and scream like i can't do it it's <laughs> too real <laughs> yeah was that seven i i lose track of of numbers but there's, I think there's was, so many yeah <laughs> but, it was but I, I played that one too it, oh it was so good and then i also mm-hmm. watched mark flares uh because me and my friend were playing it and i was being a big weenie and throwing the controller at her every time anything scary happened and yeah. she's like why don't, why don't we just watch the let's play so, yeah so we did. i just i i can't i don't react fast enough when there's horror because i'm such a, a baby about horror and i also do the same thing like my husband now isn't going underway or anything but when we were in san diego he was he deployed on a ship for like seven months and then every mm-hmm. other week he was gone for like a week and that was when i would watch something <laughs> scary and then i'm like okay i guess i'm sleeping with the lights on now <laughs> that's it yeah last last night i started playing the quarry and then i had i was like i guess i'll leave the hall light on <laughs> i guess <laughs> it's fine yeah and my cat like he knows how to open my door even when it's latched shut he does this weird thing where he'll lay down and put his paws under and he he'll just somehow open the door and he did that once and like He's a black cat. <laughs> and it was oh. like darkness in the hallway. So I didn't see him. I just see the door like, 
were like slowly opening. <laughs> like, yeah. I turned on my light, just ready to see a demon and my little cat's there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. You still saw a demon, but oh no. Yeah. 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 All, all cats are demons. <laughs> yeah. He's the best kind though. I feel like that's my, my Catholic upbringing. <laughs> it's like, oh. I always, every time I see like, something happened like it's a ghost or a demon like i don't know i don't want to know i don't even believe it anymore but like that's my first thought it's not like just the house settling or something nope it's a demon like um, i don't know yeah same no i was also really raised like very much in the church and everything so i'm like up oh, here satan comes i'm like you don't believe in satan you relax i know <laughs> i know it's, it's just ingrained apparently i Gosh, I don't remember what podcast i was listening to that was talking about that brain science of things that like you're taught as a kid are so embedded in your brain, you can never really unlearn them. Yay. So. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, that was, I didn't come up with that many questions because I knew I'm like, I just really want to, <laughs> really want to fan about with Mary this time and yeah, also definitely. plug your book, which I guess we can do again towards the end. <laughs> we nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> that's no, that's good. I, think, I mean, we were almost at time. So yeah, if we want to, if we want to wrap up the thing, I think we did it. <laughs> always goes by so fast oh what um i remember i think you said this on twitter that you're gonna get another dragon age tattoo or something that you're thinking about what were you thinking about getting uh well so okay so hold on it's not all my fault i would just want (laughs) to put that out there because i've got i've got the red cliff one but then my my tattoo artist who is evil just kidding he's the best was like look at all this space i left so we can add to it if you ever want to. And I was like, why would you say that to me? Because <laughs> now I'm obviously going to have to. Duh. So um, I'm thinking about getting the um, <laughs> the, uh, the the hero of Ferelden Tarot because I really like that it has half of the like Ferelden heraldry and then half of the Grey Warden heraldry and the, the colors are really intense. Mm. So I was thinking about getting that like right there, the tarot card. And it would hurt a lot. <laughs> but yeah. I looked at it recently and I was like, that's a lot of color. Have worth- you ever <laughs> tried lidocaine um, lotion for tattoos? Because I did it for this one. Yeah. And I didn't feel, well, I, I did feel the end because it, re- it wore off. But it wore off. <laughs> it, for like 45 minutes, I felt nothing. And it was amazing. I only recently learned about it. So I have like, you know, 8 million tattoos and I had never heard of it, never thought of it. And then one of my friends was like, well, why don't you use lidocaine? Silly Billy. So I used it for uh, this one and I was like, where have you been all my life? <laughs> like yep. double digit tattoos. It's so much better. Yeah. That's the only way I can, like, I think this is, the, this is my biggest tattoo. And it took like an hour and everything yeah. else is like, yeah, <laughs> like itty bitty. So for me, I'm like, my Dragon Age tattoo that I want to get at some point, somewhere, is just a little royal elf fruit, because I don't think I could sit for any longer. Oh, that would be so cute. <laughs> and also, One that's my... my favorite nerdy thing, is like something only someone who knows would know, you know? Yeah, you, you know immediately. Yeah, my, um, it was the same friend who, who works on Elder Scrolls, she, um, she has a huge uh, Dragon Age tattoo, and I'm so jealous of it. It's gorgeous. It's on her thigh, and it's like, it's one of the alluvions and then it takes like the the art from one of the tarot cards of like somebody kind of holding their face like they're in extreme pain and like they're next to it it's beautiful it's beautiful like really heavily shaded thing but it's like her entire thigh and like i was with her while she was getting it and like her muscles jumping around and it took forever and i was like oh my god this is gonna be worth it but i hate this yeah. <laughs> i hate, I hate 
my husband has two thigh tattoos and like half sleeves on both arms. And I sat through because I was still in college back then and just doing homework for like the nine hours we're sitting in that. Yeah. <laughs> and my other friend has this huge Harry Potter tattoo, like on the lower part of her waist and her thigh. It's like Hogwarts and there's Hedwig and it's, it gets pretty close to uh, some lady bits. And yeah. She said that was the worst part. It was like her pelvic bone, you know, like. Oh, I'm sure. I'm just like, I can't even imagine. I'm like such a baby. I remember this was my first tattoo and I think it took like 15 minutes. Oh my God, where's the camera? <laughs> and I literally, I didn't know what to expect and I felt fine. I was like, oh, this hurts. And then it ended and then I almost passed out. Because I, was, oh, no. I don't know what it was. It was like the adrenaline, I think, finally came down yeah. of the pain. And then it never happened to any of the other ones after that. But just the first one. I, I don't know why. I have like yeah, nine yeah. tattoos. And the one right there on the wrist was my most painful. Like that one yeah, sucked. Really yeah. It's like your tendons are right here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I, see got, <laughs> I, I got this one and then I had to go to work. Is that like a clotted? What? Oh, no, it's not. It looked like a clotted oh, my re- at first. Oh, I is used it- to have a... What I know, I used to have a clotter ring though, but uh, now I have a wedding ring, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I got this one like on a Saturday, and then I, it was when I was back. I was a journalist, and on Monday I had to go and type a bunch, like a whole story, and I was like, no, it was horrible. It's just like my wrist resting on the keyboard all day, and I. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually I like went to the bathroom and I got a bunch of paper towels and, like wrapped it around so it, just, like, it looked like this horrible injury and my editor comes oh, by and he's no. like are, are you okay do you need to go home and I was like no I'm fine I'm just dumb <laughs> like don't <laughs> it's great it's good <laughs> well someday maybe I'll get that I don't know I haven't once we moved here and then COVID happened so I haven't looked at any tattoo studios out here and then we're moving next year so maybe when I end up where we're going, I'll find yeah. a tattoo artist. I'm like, please put an a royal elf fruit somewhere. I just, I need my most favorite game represented somewhere on my body. <laughs> Would you get it in color or black and white? Color. Yeah. I want color. Because, like, the royal elf fruit's a little bit purpley, and I, I would definitely want that, you know. But I don't have any game tattoos. Just one Harry Potter one and one whoop, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Says, I am no man in Tengwar. I love it. Yeah. Nerd. <laughs> no i yeah i've got obviously some words but i got the two dragon age ones and then the walking dead one now i have a musical one <laughs> and uh from what musical I, from hades town oh on the poster it's beautiful <laughs> but yeah I have, I have three video game ones planned i just don't know which one i want to get first i've already emailed all the beats to my uh tattoo artist and he's like sure but what order and when and i'm like i I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I love them all. Do it all at the same time, but without pain. Thank you. <laughs> Can you just like teleport them onto my body so yeah, I don't yeah. have to sit for hours? We just time skip me actually getting them. <laughs> that would be cool. I know. Like, why don't they have just like general anesthesia <laughs> for tattoos? Just put me under the whole time. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, <laughs> if, if they're willing to do that to like clean my teeth or whatever, why can't you do that to give me a tattoo? It takes way longer. <laughs> I know. I, I didn't think I had a high pain tolerance either, but like this might be TMI, but like I had a breast reduction last year and it's a big old scar because I had a thing open up and then a new skin grow. And I'm doing like laser therapy mm-hmm. to help the scar. And they gave me lidocaine lotion because they were like, it's going to hurt. And so I put it on. I do the saran wrap trick to make it last longer. 
and then take it off right before she does it. She does two lasers, one IPL, which is like light beams that just feel like air puffing on you. And then the CO2 laser, which is like a tattoo needle, basically. And they need a vacuum to vacuum up the smoke from your skin burning. (laughs) It's like, and then she didn't, and I didn't feel it at all. And she's like, wow, you're really like, you have a really high pain tolerance. Most people like I need to actually do injected lidocaine and they still can only handle the lowest setting of this machine. And I'm like, what? (laughs) I don't have a high pain tolerance. Yeah. Crazy. It's really fast. It feels exact. The the parts that I can feel because some areas I don't get enough with the lotion. It feels exactly like a tattoo, but on my boob. Cool, fun. <laughs> it's not great, but it's like not horrible. At least it's it's so fast though. Like it's literally yeah. a minute and it's done. So I'm like, I guess that's better than a tattoo because this was an hour, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's also it's just interesting the different parts of your your body and how they react because I I feel like people have asked me a lot like what what's your most painful tattoo and I'm like I don't really know because I block it out. <laughs> I have no idea. Probably all of them, but. I would have thought, you know, like the, like I said, the thigh would be pretty easy, you know, cause Oh, it, like, it's just, it's just meaty. It's not on the uh-huh. bone. And then I saw my friend do it. And I was like, that sucks. I hate that. Like when we're on the bone, nothing's jumping around, nothing's moving. Like the, it's, it's fine. Yeah. So, I don't know. Said his thighs hurt, but also he's got some that gets really close to his elbow. And apparently that hurt oh. really, really bad too. And I have a friend who didn't even get a tattoo finished because he couldn't handle like the elbow pain. Yeah, I want to get one, but uh, the my the artist asked me like, do you do you want to go like on the on the bone on the elbow? And I was like, I don't. <laughs> the guy's just gonna leave that part naked. We can fill the rest, and that's a little naked circle. That's fine. <laughs> that's okay. Well, it's like the little patches on a sweater, except reverse. <laughs> yeah, I just want to look like Mister Rogers, but with tattoos, it's fine. <laughs> I think now we've hit all of the topics. Definitely <laughs> talked about tits, talked about tats, had a lot of tangents. Should we bring the Turians into the... Oh, we talked about Mass Effect a little bit earlier, too. So <laughs> we've hit all the topics. <laughs> we love us some space chickens. <laughs> space chickens and sad elf boys. It's great. <laughs> and horny bulls. Well, I guess before we go, do you want to plug your book one last time? And how our listeners can can reach out to you on Twitter, where we can find you, all those things. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So, uh, Gamer Girls, 25 Women Who Built the Video Game Industry, comes out tomorrow. You can find it, I mean, really anywhere books are sold, (laughs) you you can probably find it. and you can find me on Twitter. Uh, I basically live there. So if you find me there, uh, you have a really good chance of interacting with me. My handle is Mary K News. Um, it's not news about me. It's just because I used to write news. That's it. That's why it's that. <laughs> That's it. I love how you always have that disclaimer. <laughs> I'm, just so, I'm just so uncomfortable with it. I don't want people to think that I... Can you change it? No, now I would lose my verified status. Oh, no, yeah. you got to keep the blue check mark. Exactly. So cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would love to. I'm so uncomfortable with them. Like, I'm not that fancy, I promise. <laughs> As usual, it was the best talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's always really fun. Thank you for having me back. Anytime. Anytime you want to just fangirl, <laughs> let us know. 
The answer is always. <laughs> because I'm going to be in Dragon Age Land for months now, right? It's going to take me a while to get all the way through. Like, I've been playing Origins for a month, and I just got out of Lothering. So, like, I'm going to be here a minute because I'm so busy. <laughs> so, yeah, feel free to reach out any time. Fangirl nothing. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to leave a review on iTunes or give us a rating on Spotify and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find me in our Two Girls, One Ship chat on the Robots Radio Discord channel and come give us a follow on all the social medias and on Patreon at Two Girls, One Ship. Links to those are in the description. I'm on the Robots Radio Discord as well and also be sure to check out our live stream on Twitch and YouTube on Fridays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, 7.30 p.m. Pacific Time. Our podcast episodes release on Mondays because you need at least one good thing on a Monday. Check out the description for all links if you're interested. Thanks for listening. And remember, beauty is in the eye of the controller. Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.